As always, it's great to be here with you this morning, uh, whether you're here in the worship center, over in the chapel, or watching online. Uh, We have been going through this series all summer long uh, called His Name, uh, looking at eight of the 32 names of God from the Old Testament. And what I love about exploring these names of God is the intent that God uh, shares these with us is so we know Him. Uh, Each of the names gives a characteristic or attribute of God so we can understand not just who He is, but what he wants to do in and through our lives. And so we've been looking at these names, and this week we're going to be looking at the name Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi. Now, Jehovah, of course, is the sort of the Latinized uh, Germanic uh, uh, translation of the Hebrew name for God, Yahweh. And Nisi is, is the Hebrew word for banner or flag. And so Jehovah Nisi, uh, the Lord our banner. And, and this name for God is found only in one place in Scripture, this name for God's found in Exodus 17:15, and, and, and it reads this way. Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner. So Moses builds this altar and calls the name of the Lord is my banner. Now what's the context? Why does Moses do this? Why does God in this particular situation want us to understand that he is our banner, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner? Well, in Exodus 17, we find the Israelites passing through the land of the Amalekites. And the Amalekites are not happy about it. Now, before we're too hard on the Amalekites, uh, if we put ourselves in their shoes, we we may understand why they're not so happy. Um, Israel was passing through, but the Amalekites weren't necessarily sure they were passing through. Like, what if they stayed? Anyone here ever had an unwelcome visitor? So the Amalekites are wondering, is this an unwelcome visitor, right? The other thing they have to wrestle through is that as Israel passes through their lands, they're going to eat. They're going to be eating their food. And so these are things that the Amalekites are wrestling with. But God had said that if you bless his people, he'll bless you. And if you curse them, he'll curse you. And this was the Amalekites' predicament. Are they going to welcome Israel to walk through or not? Well, they choose not to. In fact, this is what we read. The people of Israel, they're camped in a place called Rephidim. And here's what happens. Exodus 17, 8 through 15. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up on the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. While Aaron and her held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this in a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And, here's our verse, Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner. So here you go. The Amalekites are are about to wage war against the Israelites, and Moses comes up with a battle plan. Joshua, get some fighting men and go fight the Amalekites, and I'm going to go up on the hill with the staff of God. Like, that's his plan. Now, first of all, understand that like the Israelites were not seasoned warriors. They had been in bondage. They had been in slavery in Egypt. And so Joshua has the task of figuring out, can, can you fight? Can you fight? 
Let's go fight the Amalekites. Okay, what's our leader Moses going to do? Well, he's going to be up on the hill with his staff, the staff of God. And that's the whole plan. And so it really does beg the question, what is going on with the staff of God? Like, what is the staff that Moses will go up on the hill? And as we read in the story, he raises a staff and, and things go well. He lowers the staff and things don't go so well. And the reality is, this staff was used in a ton of miracles. Like it was a staff that was used when, when Moses would go before Pharaoh and, and plagues were used in part because God used this staff. And, and when the Red Sea was parted, it was the staff, that, this is the staff that Moses lifted up uh, so that the sea would part. But, this, but the scripture makes it clear, it, it's, the, it's the staff of God. And, and why? Because we need to understand There's nothing special about the staff except that God chooses to use it. Like it's just a stick if God doesn't choose to use it. But since God chooses to use this stick, it's the staff of, help me out, God. Say it with me, the staff of God. Now I gotta give a little side note here, okay? It's it's like not part of the message, it's a freebie, okay? But if God can use a stick who can he use? Come on, church. If God can use a stick, who can't he use? Right? He can use you. There's not a person he can't use. There isn't a a household he can't use. There's not a church he can't use. There's no one he can't use. God used the stick because it was his stick. He chose to use it. It was special because of him. And guess what? You're special because of him too. If you're in Christ, he has chosen to use you. You say, well, Craig, you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. Well, listen, if he can use a stick, he can use you. All right? All right, let's get back into it. Let's move on. So this is no ordinary staff because God has chosen to use it. All day, Joshua battles, and there's this up and down. And so all of a sudden, they decide, man, Moses is getting tired. So they pick a place for him to sit. They hold up his arms. And, of course, they're victorious. What did the staff really represent? When you say the power of God, yeah, it represented that. But more importantly, it it represented God's presence. The staff represented the presence of God with the Israelites, as well as his power. So here it is. Moses built an altar to create a place of remembrance and celebration of what God had done with this banner, that God was their banner. And, And that's really the point. God was their banner. Although God being named Jehovah Nisi is found only in Exodus 7.15, we see this, this idea of God being our banner throughout Scripture. It's one of those scriptural themes that we can follow all the way through to the New Testament. For instance, Psalm 60, verse 4 and 5. You've set up a banner for those who fear you, that they may flee to it from the bow, that your beloved ones may be delivered Give salvation by your right hand and answer us. We find this in, in, in Psalm 25. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. And so there's this continual theme throughout scripture of God being our banner, of God's people being a banner of sorts. And we'll see in a moment of Jesus Christ being the ultimate banner. But what's that really mean? Like when the original recipients of God's word read it, what did they understand a banner to be? Well, for us, we understand that in the ancient world, much like today, 
A banner really identified a nation or, or a group or, or an army. But more importantly, in the case of, of war, a, a banner was so important because you can imagine, especially in ancient days, you couldn't tell the difference between one army and the other. Like a lot of times we'll see movies and they, and they depict you know, ancient warfare and they all have different uniforms on. And, and the reality of it is that was somewhat true, somewhat not true. In the midst of battle, you probably looked much alike. And so you can understand how frantic things must have been. So what did you do if you found yourself in a, in a battle and all of a sudden you turned around and you know no one around you? By the way, not a good situation. Like if everyone's a stranger, you're not on the right side. You looked for the banner. And when you saw the banner, you knew where to go. Because that banner represented protection. That banner represented salvation. That banner represented the, that you could come to this place and find those things. It was, it was the place of safety. It was the place of support. It, it was where you're going to go and get your battle orders to know where you should be. You shouldn't be alone in the midst of the enemy. <laughs> and you would go back to the banner to find out, where should I be? What's, what's going on? It, it was a place of, 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 that you rallied to. And here's the point. God's banner identifies those who belong to him. Those he, he saved in, in Jesus Christ. And so we see this, this use of, of the name of God, Jehovah Nissi, in Exodus 17, 15. And throughout Scripture, throughout the entire Old Testament, we see this unpacking of this understanding of God being our banner. A place of refuge. A place to rally to. But we get to the New Testament, we find out that the ultimate banner is Jesus Christ himself. And it's foretold in the Old Testament. Look at Isaiah eleven ten 10, from the Old Testament. And that day, the root of Jesse who shall stand as a signal. That word signal, by the way, could also be banner or flag. Who shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place be glorious. Drop down to verse 12. He will raise a signal or a banner for the nations and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Think about what's being said here of Jesus. But all the dispersed Israelites all over the world would have a place to come back to, that he's going to draw them back. And what a word of promise, especially when you know the history of Israel, that many times they're living in, and they're living as individuals who are drawn away from the promised land. They've been taken off. And he's saying, look, there's going to be a time where God's going to draw you back through your banner, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But then Paul does something really interesting. He refers back to this Old Testament promise, Romans 15, 12. And again, Isaiah says, again, Paul speaking, quoting from Isaiah, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles have hope. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a Gentile. I'm not, I'm not a Jew by birth. <laughs> And my guess is almost everyone in this room, like me, is a Gentile. So this is good news, that Jesus isn't just the banner, the flag, if you will, for the Jews. He's the banner for all of us. He's the rallying point for every single person sitting here this morning, every single person over in the chapel watching online, every single person outside the walls of this church building. He's their banner. 
He desires to call us all unto himself to find protection and, and safety and direction and strength to receive our battle orders, if you will, from him. In fact, Jesus uh, makes this affirmation of himself, John 12, 32. He says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Lifted up like a banner. <laughs> when I'm lifted up. Of course, he was lifted up on the cross. He was lifted up as through the resurrection, the ascension, his return. Think about it. Nothing can ever ultimately overcome us when we look to Christ, our banner, for salvation. Jesus speaks of another time where he'll be lifted up. It's from John chapter 3. He's talking to a man by the name of Nicodemus. And he says to Nicodemus, who's really asking questions about eternal life, like what does Jesus mean by eternal life? And he says, just like the Nehustan was lifted up in the wilderness, so I will be lifted up, that anyone who looks at me will be saved. Now what's the deal with the Nehustan? Well, as the Israelites are traveling through the wilderness, at one point they, they rebel against God and, and, and there's a curse of snakes. Any of you like snakes out there? Yeah, a few of you, the rest of you don't? Yeah. And, and so the snakes came, they're poisonous snakes. And, and Moses pleads on behalf of Israel. He says, well, make the Nehustan and, and lift it up. And anyone who sees the Nehustan will be saved. They'll be cured. Now here's the picture. The Israelite encampment is huge, ginormous. And so someone gets bit by a snake. They can't crawl to see the Nehustan. People were carrying people to get them so they could see the Nehustan. And when they would see the Nehustan, they would say, they would be healed. Sort of Nehustan was like a banner they rallied to, to be healed. And Jesus says in John chapter 3, he says, just like this Nehustan lifted up, I will be lifted up. I will be lifted up. He died for our sins. Resurrected for our salvation. He says, when I'm lifted up, anyone who will look to me. And that word look doesn't just mean glance. It means really trust. It means abide. It means, it means give it yourself to. Anyone who will look, trust in me, rally to me, will be saved. And this is the picture we get of God being our banner that nothing can ultimately overcome us when we look to Christ, our banner for salvation. I mean, I, I just want you to think about that for a minute. Think about the implications of that. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you felt totally overcome? No way I can ever do this. God says, come to me, your banner. Ever felt out there all alone? Maybe you feel like you're in enemy territory. No familiar faces around you. The Lord says, turn around. Come rally at the banner. In fact, Exodus 17, 15 has some, some very strong meaning for us as believers. I'm going to share a few of them with you this morning. The meaning of God is our banner as believers. First of all is this. Believers are not left to fight their battles alone, but in the strength and direction of the Lord. I'm going to say that again. Believers are not left to fight their battles alone, but in the strength and direction of the Lord. Listen to Ephesians 6.12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So the scripture tells us that, yeah, we're going to find ourselves in battle. And sometimes we get out there and it's a battle. But he's directing us to where the battle really is. How many times do we find ourselves 
uh, quote unquote out in the world, right? And we think the battle's against people. Come on, church. And it's not. The battle's not against flesh and blood. When we speak of the world and we say we're battling against the world, it's not people, we're battling against culture, we're battling against those things that would, that would lead us to maybe go adrift from God, but it's not individuals. In fact, when you think about it, when Jesus says, why did he come? And he could have came for any reason at all because he's God. He can choose to do whatever he wants because he's God. You follow what I'm saying? Who is he? He's God. And we're not, right? And so when he said, what's your mission? He said, I came to what? Seek and save the lost. I came to seek and save the lost. He, he didn't say I came to, to, to fight with this person or that person or that. No, I came to seek and save them. And, and he said, Craig, why are you saying that? Because if he's our banner and he can give us victory and he's our strength, then when we go out in the world, it's not about battling individuals. It's about living for Jesus. It's about sharing his love and message with those around us. It's about believing that he can do something in us that can change the situation around us. Instead of whining about the environment, we should be changers of the environment. I don't know why it is that we as a church sometimes act like we're being victimized by a world that we know is fallen and needs Jesus. Sometimes we get all frustrated because they're not living by the job description we have as believers. You know what our job description is as believers? To grow more like Jesus from one point, from one degree of glory to another. Is that not what the scripture says? That's our job description. So as fellow believers, if we see someone heading the wrong way, guess what we do? We come up to another believer and say, hey, you're heading the wrong way. God has a better plan for you. But we don't look at the people outside the walls who may not know Jesus and expect them to live like Jesus and not know Jesus. I'm getting quiet this morning. We live like Jesus in the hope that they'll come to Jesus. And when they come like Jesus, then we help them grow and become like Jesus. And we do that through the power of the Holy Spirit who resides in us. We expect the world to live perfect without the Spirit of God when we, with the Spirit of God, are not perfect, simply being perfected. And so when we say that Jesus is our banner, the good news is we get to rally to him and let him do a work within us, but not just so that we are blessed, but so that we can go into the world and, what? Bless others. In fact, we don't, we don't gather as a way of retreating from the world. We gather to put the glory of God on display so that when we scatter into the world, we can be world changers. This is a beautiful promise. And I love this, Romans 8, 37. So what about this battle? Have you ever felt like you're losing the battle? Come on, am I the only one? Sometimes. Listen to Romans 8, 37. This is one you should actually probably write up. Put it on your mirror. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Like when you feel like you're defeated, if you're in Christ, isn't that a good verse to know? <laughs> like I feel like I'm defeated, but the word of God tells me I'm more than a conqueror. Now, I don't know about you. Any competitive people out there? I like winning. I really do. I really do. My wife doesn't care about winning. My kids are like me. She hates playing games with us. Because we all want to win. And she would tell the kids, when they, when they were kids with us, she would tell me, so let's let them win once in a while. You know, they'll beat me one day. They're going to get beat as much until that day comes by me. You know what I'm saying? I like winning. So I like the idea of being a conqueror. But what's that verse say? I'm more than a conqueror. Like, if you like being a conqueror, I don't know what more than a conqueror is, but I like that even more. 
And that's who you are in Jesus. Let that marinate in your soul this morning. You're more than a conqueror. You say, Craig, I don't feel like a conqueror. Well, feelings can be fleeting. The battle's not over yet, by the way. This award is ours when when we see Christ face to face. But I want you to understand something this morning. When we rally to God as our banner, when we really trust in him, we need to really believe he, but we are who he says we are and we can do what he says we can do and our future is as secure as he says it is. And it changes everything. It changes the way we look at ourselves. It changes the way we react to others. It changes the way we live our lives. Thirdly, let me share this. Believers experience ultimate victory as they rely upon trust and follow the Lord. We depend on God for victory. We, we, we choose his way. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Many of you are familiar with this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. How many of you are still learning this one? You've heard me say it before. I'm the great suggester to God. Like in prayer time, I, I find too much of my prayer being my suggestions of how he should work. I wonder sometimes when I hear people say, I don't hear God, if their experience is like mine. But those times where I'm not hearing God is because I already have my mind made on what he should be saying. Like the times I don't hear God, I've already chosen my direction, so the Lord's like, what do you want me to say? I'll pick you up on the B side when things aren't going so well. <laughs> Ever been there? God is so faithful, isn't he? But we hear God's verse when we what? Trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lord, I trust in you. I got a ton of suggestions, but I need you. You don't, you don't need to hear what I want you to do. I need to know what you need me to do. What do you want me to do, God? How do you want me to handle this relationship? How do you want me to handle this conflict? How do you want me to go about my day? And he says, he'll make our paths straight. How about 1 John 5, 4 through 5? For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Again, that world isn't people, it's a culture. It's a culture. How do we live as overcomers? How do we, how do we stay focused on Christ? We believe who Jesus is. We stay focused on him. We rally to him as our banner. In the darkest moments when we can see nothing but him, we look to him. And when the tunnel's dark, we, we, we don't forget the light he shared us with us before we entered into that experience. We trust in what he says. Let me add another thought. As Moses built an altar, he called the Lord is my banner. To remember what God had done for Israel, we too need to remember and celebrate the way God has led us and the victories he's provided. Most importantly, salvation in Christ. You say, Craig, what do you mean by that? We should remember what God has done. In fact, one of the reasons that God's given us his, his word is so we'll know him, but also that we'll know what he's done. And when we read what God has done in the lives of his people, we know what God has done in the life of one, he can do in the life of another. And what God has done in the life of, of someone way back then, Exodus 17, 15, I will be your banner, I will be your protection, I will be your victor. We can look at that and say, that's how he's going to work in our life. Maybe not the same way, maybe not the, we're not battling the Amalekites, but we can trust that he's our banner, but he's faithful. He's going to give us everything we need to live as more than conquerors. I ask you, do you believe that this morning? 
Do you trust in that this morning? Does that, lead, does that guide the way that you walk today? And if not, join the club. That's why we need a place of remembrance. That's why gathering together like this is important, so we can remember who God is. Remember what he's done. Remember that he's still working. You've heard me say more times than I can count, and you might be able to count it. I know that I'm not what I ought to be. Come on, you can probably finish it for me. But I'm not what I used to be. I'm a work in progress. How about you? Are you on journey with Jesus? Are you rallied to him? There's a quote often attributed to Abraham Lincoln. I say often attributed to Abraham Lincoln because Abraham Lincoln is attributed to say many things I'm not sure he said. Um, But this is one of those things that's attributed to him. And listen to what he said. My concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side for God is always right. I don't know if he said it, but if he didn't, he should have. My concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side for God is always right. This quote is thought to have been spoken by Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War uh, in a reaction to what a clergyman had said to him. A clergyman. A clergyman had said to him that the union cause is certainly a just cause, therefore God is on our side. And Abraham Lincoln's response, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. Lincoln emphasized the importance of aligning oneself with God and not his aligning himself with us. I love that. I love that. See, when everything's boiled down, the staff of God was special because of who God is, not because of that stick. And and I'm not the banner. You're not the banner. God is the banner. The best we can do in this world is be rallied to that banner and point others to the banner, to Jesus that the key to, to walking the way that God's called us to, to live a blessed life so we can bless others, is to rally to him, to trust in him, to find salvation in him. And that means we're not to wait for God to rally to us. We're to rally to him. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. We're not to wait to him to rally to us. We're to rally to him. Lord, you're the one. You're the answer. You're the source of peace. You're the source of strength. You're the source of wisdom. Lord, I rally to you. And so I ask you this morning, have you rallied to Jesus? Are you walking with him yet? Have you found salvation in Jesus Christ? Jesus died for our sins, resurrected for our salvation. And whether here online, over at the chapel, if you've yet to do that, why not right now? Can't think of a better time to receive Christ as Lord and Savior at this very moment, right where you're seated. Are you going through a difficult time where you're like, Craig, I feel like I'm losing this battle. I feel like Moses' hands have dropped down, you know? The banner of Christ is secure. Trust in him. Brother and sister in Christ, don't be dismayed. God is with you. 
Don't wait for him to rally to you. Rally to him. Trust him for who he says you are, what he says you can do. Walk in the power that God has for you. Don't lose hope. If you need to be encouraged by that, let us encourage one another in that truth. Amen, church? You are not alone. You are not alone. And as we scatter, we've gathered to put the glory of God on display. As we scatter, let us remember our purpose in that scattering. That all too will know Jehovah Nisi, our batter. That they too will find salvation and strength in him. And that they too will be numbered among the more than conquerors. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, your glory has been put on display this morning. Um, as we've together sang praises to your name, as we've gathered, Lord God, and, and, and witnessed a baptism, a, a transformed life, as we've been able to celebrate two of your faithful servants, beloved by us, Steve and Vicki, as we've looked at your word and realized that this isn't just an ancient story, but it's an ancient story that, that has a timeless God that's a part of it. That's what makes it applicable to our life today. That we understand that we're not fighting against the Amalekites, but that that isn't what resonates with us, but the battle resonates with us and needing a banner resonates with us. And the banner that was present to give them victory is the same banner that promises us to give us victory who trust in you. It doesn't mean that the road will be easy. In fact, as I was talking to a brother in Christ in between services, and he said, how many people do you think might have even lost their life on the Israelite side in that battle? It was a tough battle. <laughs> they didn't leave unscathed, but they left victorious. And Lord, we have eternity with you. Help us live with that perspective. Not in a way to look past those who you've called us to, to share your love and message with, but in a way that, that makes us look towards you. And, and because we're looking towards you, share that message with them in the hope that they can be a part of the more than conquerors group that we're a part of. Oh God, at this very moment, there's someone who's yet to receive you as Lord and Savior. Right now in the quietness of their heart when they say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Let them take the step of letting us help them in their next step with you. You've called us to do life with you and one another. And God, for the person this morning who's certainly in the midst of the battle, and maybe they, they would be honest and say, I don't feel victorious. I feel lost. I feel like I'm in enemy territory. I pray, Lord God, that they would, they would look up, look to you. They would rally to the banner and that they too would know they don't have to do life alone. We're here to encourage each other in our journey. This morning as I was praying for service, I was thinking of my friend John who's dealing with, with cancer right now. He wrote something not long ago that really impacted me. He said, many people look at me and feel sorry for me. I appreciate their prayers. I, I appreciate their concern. But in the end, he says, when everything's said and done, I have eternal life in Jesus. And many of those who are concerned for me don't have that. He says, I have concern for them. And please pray that what I'm going through will lead people to Jesus. Oh, God. 
Wow. There's a man who's rallied to you. (laughs) Teach me to be such a man. Teach us to be such a people that you will be glorified, that people will find hope in you. And we give you the praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, who didn't just say he loved us, but demonstrated it on the cross. In his name we pray. Amen.